shit. The Llama Lounge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Scott, and today I have with me the entire Llama crew, Joseph Woo-woo. Bogdan. What's up? What's going on? Frank, Frank <laughs> Zamorano. Yeah, we, should, we should have worked on that. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> Joseph Bogdan, Frank think- Zamorano, and Jose Ramon, and we're all interrupting each what? other. I thought you went back to me again. I was like, you already said me. <laughs> I tried to. Uh, how's it going, gentlemen? Good. All right, let's do the right way. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. The last weekend of my R&R, and um, I've been, like, just tired the entire time I've been back. I don't know if that's normal or not, but um, hopefully hopefully I'll get right back on schedule and hit hit the job again um, starting Monday. So I'm looking forward to it. Very cool. Excited to be back at the the normal. Well, I don't know how normal it is out there still. California with the COVID stuff still happening, so. Probably about as normal as it was when you left. Yeah, it's about the same. Like, I mean, I guess it's the same as any DOD installation. That's all I've been on the whole time. So I guess it's about what I'm used to. There you go. All right. Well, glad to see you back, sir. Frank Zamorano, how are you, my man? What's up? What's going on? Uh, It's going good. You know, uh, Korea has lifted some uh, some restrictions. So that allows for uh, a lot of the folks that are stationed here in Korea to... uh, to go explore a little bit more if they wanted to go to Seoul. Seoul's been open for the last couple of weeks. And then on top of that, we had a big win where um, now we can do a working ROM. So that means like, mm-hmm. if you wanted to go travel, you don't have to quarantine for two weeks. And then when you quarantine in Korea, it's legit like isolation. Mm-hmm. People have to bring you food. Wow. It's not like, it's not like Texas quarantine where you get to go to <laughs> HEB, Whataburger <laughs> and hang out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's not Don't hate on Texas. No, I love Texas. Yeah. I'm like, I wish we had. Yeah, I wish we. Um, I wish Texas was everywhere. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I appreciate California too. It's, it's, you can't beat California weather. That's why you pay five hundred thousand dollars for a home. I oh, heard Texas true. is that's on the low right now. Too. <laughs> yeah, the lumber lumber is going up like crazy everywhere. So uh, neighbor houses in my neighborhood that are being built because i'm still in a i'm in a relatively new neighborhood so there's a lot of development going on so uh house the the rates are jumping up so comps that are similar to my house are like 30 40 percent more than what i uh what i'm paying for mine so uh it's nice because in case i ever decide to sell uh got a lot of equity yeah, the real estate so, is crazy people can't yeah. buy a home without you know getting it twenty thousand dollars over asking which is just crazy right. mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Oh, and I, I hear some mumbling. There's a there's another person joining us this evening, Jose Ramon. How you doing, sir? What's up, brother? Doing good. Joe flew out of the AOR and I flew in, so we air high fived in and different <laughs> locations. But yeah, we definitely got the llama presence in the AOR still. <laughs> yeah. So we got Joe out of the irregular time zone, and then we lost Jose to the irregular time zone. So, but all four of us are in four different time zones, but we're still making this happen. Still make it happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yes. So, gentlemen, we are doing something that we did a while back uh, in which we uh, solicited some questions from some of the folks that support the Llama Lounge and Llama Leadership. And uh, the last episode that we did this, we, we entitled it Questions. And basically, we got a, a good variety of questions from everything from leadership to uh, mental health type stuff. 
And uh, we got some good responses from that episode. So we decided, you know what, let's try this again. We got some more questions in. We got a lot of great questions. Um, obviously, uh, with time constraints, we're not going to be able to get to every single question. Uh, but I think uh, we're going to get to some really important questions. And folks just are asking us and asking you guys, you know, really about your perspective on a lot of different things. So uh, we're excited to answer some of these questions and then we'll uh, get it published as soon as possible. So if you guys are ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Do it. Send it. All right. I see Send Frank's it. got a pen, so he's all prepared. All so right. studious. He is studious. Well, we were told a long time ago by a great mentor of ours that take a pen and a notepad everywhere you go. So, yep, yep. He was the king Dude. of humility. <laughs> that's, a, that's a not so inside that, joke, folks. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. All right. First question is How do you, as leaders, get better at delegation, especially when you know that if you do it yourself, you'll get a better product? Hmm. That's a good one. I will start with Frank. Mm. Uh, for me, delegating has never been an issue. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's all when I think about delegation, I'm like, what's my threshold? What can I do? Because if I do everything, then I start to lose my effectiveness as a leader. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then the other thing is, what is your role as a leader? is to make the other person better, to make your team better. So if I'm hoarding all of the workload because I want it done my way, well, that's that's just a little bit selfish. It's a little bit egotistical. Um, so when I delegate, I don't necessarily delegate because I don't want to do the work. I delegate because uh, that person probably needs that project to refine some of their some of their skills or whatever. It's, you know, project management or or spreadsheets and all that fun stuff. So I think of uh, empowering those folks and, and I delegate them so, so that the team can get better. And then that person who's gonna take that that leadership role or take my position eventually, uh, they can do the same. It's, it's you know, the, the military and, and obviously I'm, I'm a civilian now retiree, but the military is, delegation is, it's part of the design. Cause you're not gonna, you can only spend so many years in in the uniform. Yeah. And so you gotta, you know, yep. by design, you gotta prep people for that next level. And so, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, you know, you're not going to better anybody unless you give them that opportunity. So how about you, uh, uh, Joe, what do you think? So I think, um, Frank hit it on the head when he was talking about, you know, you can't do everything at some point. And I think for me, um, it took a while for me to figure that out. And then I started delegating out of pure necessity you know, there's just no way, like I was just um, bogged down too much. Uh, So I realized I had to start delegating, but then maturity started to come into play because at some point I'm watching them. I'm like, Oh man, I wish I would have just done that because I would have done it better. Right. (laughs) And then, uh, then I think maturity started to come into play and I realized that, you know, and experience because sometimes they did do it in a different way. They got there a different way Mm -hmm. than I would have. And it was better. Right. And I was like, oh, man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maturity and humility came into play. And I realized that there's a lot more to it. And the development piece, of course, um, that's a huge part of it. So I think for me, it's really like really focusing not so much on yourself and how you feel about everything. And it just took time because it's an interesting um, it's an interesting transition, because I think when we go from technical experts to leaders of teams, you know, 
there's not a lot of training right there that teaches you how to empower and delegate. There's not really a, a transition when it comes to training. We do go through courses, but there's not specific lessons necessarily in that, in that facet. And, you know, you're kind of thinking that you still do what you did to get to where you're at. And that's not what you can do anymore. You know, that's mm. not what, what got you there. Won't keep you there. Right. And right. you have to figure that out at nice. some point. So I, I think it, for me, it was just experience that kind of came along and then um, started delegating and, and empowering, which is a huge piece. I think that there's a difference between empowering and delegating. Empowering is a lot more, um, you know, investment from the leader, right? Delegation is like, I see a task and I'm like, oh, well, I know they can handle this one. Let me go and give it to them. We're empowering to me. It's like, all right, you're, you're setting them up to be able to take on a role versus just knock out a particular task. Right. Yeah. 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 You're hitting on that uh, transactional versus transformational stuff too, mm-hmm. which is a uh, good, good PME stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, uh, just kind of recap that question was how do you as leaders get better at delegation? Uh, especially when you know that if you do it yourself, you'll get a better product. Um, I think one of the, um, the challenges that we have sometimes is we know exactly what we want the product to look like, but that doesn't always mean it's the better product. And so sometimes you, you need to delegate just so you can get a, a, another idea of how well it can look. And you have to have that humility and that, you know, and saying, you know what, other people probably do it just as well as I can. Mm-hmm. This might look differently and that's okay. That's okay. And I think one of the things that I used to do, especially when I was, when I was back in the service, was everything that I was responsible for, I would try to teach the folks that were working with me how to do it before I needed them to do it. Right. Because if I waited until it was like last minute, oh, I got to show somebody how to do this real quick or I need them to take it on. uh, You're never going to get a good product. But if you're coaching them along the way of all the different responsibilities that you have in that role, uh, when that time comes to actually delegate, then they're going to be better prepared for it. So, yeah. Have you ever told have you ever told your kid you gave your kid an instruction and they followed your instruction to the T, but that's not what you meant. <laughs> You're like, that's not, but, but, but it wasn't the, it wasn't their fault. It was my message that I sent to them. It was my instruction that I sent to them. Right. So I think when we talk about delegate, delegate, isn't a fire and forget delegation yeah. effectively is a process. Like, Hey, Hey, mm-hmm. here's a, here's a project you're going to lead. Let's, let's reconvene. Let's see what it looks like in your planning phases. And then you give them that vector and you give them that mentorship. Uh, to show them and coach them. I think coaching is the best word uh, that you use there, Scott. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, for me, it's not waiting until the last minute. Usually I end up doing it myself. It's it's when I've waited too late to actually show the ropes because mm-hmm. that's when I, I need it right away and I know exactly how I need it done. Uh, but if I, if I think about it in advance and try to coach and empower and delegate earlier on, um, that that's that's how i uh, how i like to do it so that's yeah. that's, right. the, that's the l word though leadership like you're actually uh, able to see you know <laughs> i mean you're looking you're looking into the future right and you're not just yeah. thinking about what's going to happen today in the next couple hours you're thinking about okay how am i going to set this organization up for success and how am i going to set these right. people up for success and it takes deliberate and intentional you know vision like you're looking a couple weeks ahead a couple months ahead a couple years ahead and um and yeah. that's and that's something that we all got to take the time to do and not just think about right now and i think Covey talks about it you know uh, uh, efficiency versus effectiveness yeah you might get it done real quick now if you just knock it out yourself but that's not going to be effective for your organization if you do it all the time correct yeah good stuff all right uh, next question is, uh, 
how do you drive change when you're having a difficult time getting buy-in from your boss? I'll try Jose. So how do you drive change when you are having difficulty getting buy-in from the boss? That was a question, Correct. right? Yes, sir. I think before that even comes up, you, you need to make sure that you've established some credibility with the boss uh, mm -hmm. because realistically, if you're not the decision maker, then you have to understand the power that you have in that situation and that's its influence. So you, you have to be, be sure that um, you're credible, relevant, and timely with the information that you're given so that you can actually affect um, their decision-making process. Um, mm -hmm. So if you are having a tough time uh, doing that, then I think you got to establish why, why that is and figure out, you know, are you presenting information um, to a, a green, but you're presenting information that's more relevant to a gold, you know, understanding their personality traits and what they're trying to get at, or maybe you just don't understand what their vision is. And so mm -hmm. you're trying to help them get to what you understand is their goal. And it's not, um, so I think you have to realign yourself with, to see, you know, strategically what their vision and their intent is, and then make sure that you are relevant to that situation. Yeah. Frank, you got anything on this one? Yeah. So when uh, uh, Jose kind of sparked some thoughts for me on, on credibility, so credibility earns trust and, and the trust is what builds your, your influence. So, uh, but you got, you can't mistake that for, well, then the boss is going to make me let me make every decision. No, you got to be strategic, mm -hmm. strategic about which which of these decisions that you really, really want to fall on the sword for. Um, because mm -hmm. if you did that for everything, every situation that came up, then your boss is just going to start making decisions without your input. So mm -hmm. you have to be you have to understand where you're at and, and how the influence works with with your boss. I, I think that's super important as a for me as a brand new chief that that was a process that i'm still learning but it's a valuable skill man if you can learn how to leverage your influence and and not waste it man it's a mm -hmm. it's a valuable asset to have yeah one, one thing that i like to do is if i'm going to propose any type of change initiative i need to really learn how i'm going to package it right first of all why, why is that change important? Is it because it's your style or is it because it actually adds value to the organization? Um, and if it does add value to the organization, you got to be able to explain what that value is and also explain what some of the hiccups might be and have a question for every, or an answer for every single one of those hiccups. Because right. um, I've been in organizations where um, leadership just comes in just to change it just because they wanted a different style. And of course, if you don't effectively implement, you know, proper change management techniques, you're going to tick off a lot of people. But if mm -hmm. you can, if you demonstrate the real reason why that change needs to be there, um, and, and, and you got to learn how to sell your leadership on why that change should, should take place. What, what, what value is going to be added to the organization by making that change? Um, and, and, and answer those, well, what about this questions? And what about that questions? When you have those questions, you have those answers ready to go. I think that helps with, you know, getting your point across. How about you, Joe? I think I just want to touch on a couple of the things I've already said, and that they're very important because I see that people often fail to do these things is one to be able to articulate your point with data and facts. 
right? Instead of just how you feel about the situation and what you did yesterday mm-hmm. or what you did yeah. six months ago, right? Because something that we have to remember, um, whether you're a chief or a staff sergeant, that might be a subject matter expert. If you're new to that place, nobody cares about what you did at your last base. They don't know, you know what I mean? Like, just like what Frank said about earning that credibility and trust, what you did at your last base isn't going to necessarily come with you, right? And everybody's not going to just suddenly like, oh yeah, yeah, he's here now. So let's listen to everything he says and believe it, right? I mean, it doesn't work that way. So you got to earn that trust every place you go. They don't say that when you go to your new squadrons? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you were at Yakota. Tell us more. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, you know, and I think that something that Jose said that was really important, too, is we often start trying to put our perspective on things without fully understanding why our our boss, what's their perspective on it? Why have they come to that decision? You know what I mean? Like, we're just trying to throw our stuff in there already. So first, understanding your circumstance and, you know, what their perspectives are that your leader, I mean, and um, also just remembering that you got to earn that credibility, just like Frank says. I'm just kind of reemphasizing what they talked about. Yeah, yeah Jose said. Jose said uh, you got to establish credibility, but I thought he was going another way. I thought he was like you got to establish dominance early. <laughs> you can <laughs> go that you route in there. You can to go the that route, man, but... <laughs> and that works sometimes. <laughs> you know, one thing that you uh, you mentioned, Lee, that is I've heard a lot when, uh, as far as like you know, getting into new leadership roles, um, is. I remember hearing, you know, you are not the commander, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you are not the boss. And I think sometimes there are people who put themselves in bad situations and then they end up getting bad reputations because if a decision is made that they don't like or maybe they don't agree with and they don't move out on it and then they try to influence an organization in a way that the boss doesn't want, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you have to understand your role in some of this stuff. And sometimes you are the you know, the final say, but uh, not always. And I think if you aren't mindful of that, man, you step in some landmines real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and the credibility that she've worked hard for could be gone in a second. Yep. yep. Absolutely. All right. So next question, good stuff, guys. Next question. Have you ever felt stagnant in your personal or protect or excuse me, in your personal or professional life? And if so, how did you push past it let's go with scott, frank scott yeah i'll take this one uh this one resonates with me because i'm going through it right now yeah mm-hmm. i am uh, me so, too I, that's why i thought you were yelling my name out like i thought you were saying scott <laughs> yeah, take scott, it because i knew see it this this scott, yeah, look, you're a hot mess you're a hot mess <laughs> got mustard stains on your shirt <laughs> like like george costanza with a sweatpants yeah. on like yeah uh, do you want to, do you want to take this Scott? Do you want to no, go ahead? Go ahead, Frank. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to get my master's, you know, last year, uh, you know, I was recently promoted and these are all goals that I've had for a long time. Right. So I've accomplished these things and then, um, I'm just struggling to, to make new goals. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, these are things that I meditate on. I pray on. I, I have a lot of reflection on like, what are you doing with now your the time that you have? And um, the, 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 the thing for me is habits. What yeah. are you doing with, what are your habits? And so just, just keep doing these small things that are making you a better person, 
right? So it's still in the gym working out. Uh, that's that's a good health, healthy habit. Stay reading. That's a good healthy habit. Like so, just do these small things. It doesn't have to be, you know, moving mountains every time. So that's my key is just do the small things, um, and then you just keep moving forward. It's not it's not going to be you know uh, earth shattering every time you, you hit a little a goal. So that's for me. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially um, just kind of looking back on my military career, you know, I operated a, a lot of years in a quarterly mindset, right? Like, mm-hmm. what, what do I want to accomplish this quarter? And why do I want to accomplish it in this quarter? Because it's going to go in awards package, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and it's like that for a lot of people, right? Here's my year to uh, where I'm eligible to, to test for a rank. So what am I going to try to get accomplished this year so that shows up on a board score uh, or on a board package? And so I think the, the military, at least for the Air Force, um, when you hit a certain rank, it, it, it can be tough to, to kind of figure out what you want to do next professionally. Um, and so um, have I ever felt stagnant? Sure, sure, a few times. Um, I'm at that place right now where I'm, I'm retired. I could go on and get other degrees, but they're not really going to help me get, you know, an award. They don't necessarily mean a promotion. Um, so sometimes I, I look at stuff like that, like, okay, just something as a, a sense of satisfaction. Um, and so, and, and I think Frank said it perfectly. It doesn't have to be something huge, just something habitual, small little things that you can check off along the way to at least stay in, in a, in the kind of a grind mindset. You know, how about you, uh, Joe, you're Mr. Uh, always got something going on personal and professional goals yeah as a miles in may yeah yeah <laughs> not in may. 100 uh, miles in may uh, yeah. <laughs> that's All for bad. a good cause though by the way but <laughs> yeah it is. Uh, but um yeah why do you think i run so much <laughs> like, like I, I went through exactly what frank went through when uh, same thing about uh i finished up my graduate degree and was selected for my final promotion around the same time and um yeah. And, and that's a very real thing. I just sat there and I was like, what am I, what am I doing next? And, um, and yeah, it, that's when I started really realizing that you got to stay inspired some way. And it doesn't necessarily mean at work, you know, it could be off duty cause that's going to translate yeah. to on duty if you're inspired. Right. So I started taking up photography, running and doing all kinds of other things to try to learn more, you know, and just try to, to, to look at things. And you know, what I also did was I, I really realized, cause you know, immediately I started, okay, well, what about a doctorate? You know, I started looking at other goals, right? <laughs> I've been I, there. Yeah. I started wondering, I was like, but why do I want to do that? Am I just trying to mm-hmm. like, because I'll, yeah. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, I, I don't like being in that place where I'm not doing a bunch of stuff and I'm just with myself. Because that, the conversations that go on, you know, in, in my head with that with the terrible neighbor that's up there, sometimes you know, I, I'm just not comfortable in that situation. I've, what I've been doing more now is is trying to, you know, be there more intentionally, just be more still, right? Be more still. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that I just try to do a bunch of stuff and try to stay inspired. Um, I read a lot, just like Frank said, and exercise and and just look for the next thing. Because, you know, I used to I used to think that no matter what. I'm going to be okay with just being able to influence people in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the case, but there was still, it seemed like a void there. And now what I do is keep myself busy and all those things, try to learn as much as possible. And I, I really lean on my faith too. Um, yeah. that, that's been really helping me out as well. 
I think sometimes too, when we, when we think about personal and professional life, it's when we've accomplished the goals that we've already set out. Like mm-hmm. we have this idea of what we want to do. And I think one of the, you know, the, the second part of the question is if so, how did you push past it? What, what can be helpful, I think, is to find something that you've never done before. Right. And, and we talk about this a lot, Joe, finding something you suck yep. at, mm-hmm. right? Because yes, that's, where the, that's, where that, that's where that next challenge is. Uh, because mm-hmm. after a while, you feel stagnant because you accomplished everything. Now, mm-hmm. seek out something that you've never done before. Um, go ahead, Jose. No, that, that's what resonated with me in that question. And I know we did an episode with Dr. Knighting where we were kind of talking about that and maybe maybe the folks will get tired of hearing it man but that snowboarding was my thing like it was i was stagnant you know i mean from the outside you probably look like somebody who's running you know on a treadmill right like you're moving and you're doing all kinds of stuff but i I didn't i didn't feel like i was actually moving forward or or backwards or anything right i was kind of like staying in place but i that's what i did i found something that i absolutely sucked at i was terrible at it um and i just dedicated myself to it and said well I just got to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And um, even now it's the same thing, you know. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever used an assault bike, but they have one out here in the gym out here. And I, I, I remember watching some people use it. And I thought to myself, man, that looks, that, I wonder why everybody says it's such a hard workout. And then I rode one and I was like, <laughs> I understand why they, right? It's, it's rough. And so you get on there and, all right, today I'm just going to be able to do a little bit more time at a little bit higher pace. And you just keep setting smaller and smaller milestones and eventually you get there. But I think when you find yourself stagnant, you need to find something else. You got to, you got to find a different hobby, a different task, a different book. Um, something Joe sent me three books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put, yeah. Get yourself out of what you normally do that daily routine and just strive for something different. And, and that's something different, like, like you mentioned with snowboarding, may have nothing to do with professional aspirations. It may have mm-hmm. nothing to do with getting you to that next level of promotion or, or job or something like that. But it's just something else that you can, um, you, you can strive to, to be better at just, just for the sake of challenging yourself. I would say that that's one of the biggest arguments for what the enlisted force structure says about continuing your education, mm-hmm. continuous improvement, and being involved in professional orgs. You know, it's not just a checklist item. There's sure. growth there, right? And you can get inspired when you're doing those things. Or you could be the person that just sits at work all day and does their same thing every day, and then it complains about why they're stagnant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, so my perspective is a little bit different because you know being in the civilian workforce now. Um, promotions aren't set up the way they are in the military where you're eligible for promotion, you know, every year or so it's, it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's based on moves. It's based on, um, you know, people retiring or or moving on to different opportunities. Um, and so in my environment, the professionally, um, my stagnant doesn't necessarily come from not getting a bump up into the next level, but it comes from what am I doing to learn more about my profession? Right. It, have I learned everything there is to learn? Absolutely not. So what are some things I can do to learn more about it um, and, and studying different, you know, like, like reading different books or taking different classes, so, studying something new that maybe is outside of my profession. So sometimes you just got to give yourself that 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 um, shock to the system, mm-hmm. something a little bit different um, that you're not used to um, and just to kind of kickstart things. And, and maybe that that'll help you fi- find out what you really want to move towards next. 
Yeah. All right. I think, I think a, the big part of that too is it's not necessarily the skill that you learn, right? Because I remember, you know, uh, watching Joe, he started doing some of the like smoking different kinds of meats, right? And you're like, okay. And and my wife, um, she she really likes uh, ribs and and that kind of stuff, right? I'm not. I mean, I never made that stuff. I never did. But like, you know what? I'm gonna try and learn this to see if I can make something that she'd enjoy, right? And uh, there's a lot of lessons in in that, right? The patience and timing and and just being completely focused, everything, <laughs> right? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that you learn that and. And so it's not necessarily that skill, but you being able to use your mind in a different way and to change your mindset, I think is very big. And that applies across everything that we always talk about with life learning and leadership. It's not, it's not necessarily that skill itself, but what you've learned on the road to get to that skill. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So good stuff, guys. I, I really, I really like that. Those, those questions there. This is one that uh, kind of stuck out to me as well. Um, we've all done special duty, so this is something that'll resonate, I think. Uh, the next question is, returning to your primary career field after completing a special duty can be intimidating, especially after being away for four years or more. How would you recommend someone in a special duty prepare to return to their career field and overcome the challenges associated with returning? Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and if I can kick this one off. I, when I when I did my special duties, I made it a point. I had a great mentor, uh, a command chief, who told me just because your AFSC changed, um, your primary AFSC is still in existence. So don't stray too far away. Stay in contact with the leadership in that career field. Um, get involved in any like projects that that career field's doing if it's at the local base. And so um, I I did FTAC and, and I was career assistance advisor. Um, for about four years total. Um, but throughout that four years, I was involved in my primary AFSC's uh, different functions and activities. So if they had a TDY coming up, a uh, professional development thing going on, uh, I, I, I stayed in contact with those folks and, and I just made sure I kept up my skill set in those areas as well. And so that was the, the advice that I got from a good mentor. Um, so that when I do make that return, it's not going to be as intimidating. Anybody else want to take this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So um, I, I did um, four years at uh, Airman Leadership School, and then I uh, went back to my my uh, Port Dog community. And uh, what worked for me is just basically laying the foundation for my uh, for my peers that I was with. It's like, hey, um, I need some training wheels because I'm gonna kind of do the the crawl walk run deal and i need you guys to kind of help me you know so i think just being humble and saying and telling mm-hmm. the folks that you work with to like say I'm, I'm pretty much starting over so just give me a give me a chance here to to learn the community back again and and uh, i think when you do that and, and you go in there with this humble attitude that people respect that more than so more than you acting like you already know what to do one one yeah. that's just it's it's a little it comes off a little bit uh arrogant and so um to me that was always my approach to it yeah it comes across a lot better than coming 
going back saying, Hey, do you guys know who I am? Do you guys know what I've done for the yeah, I was the ALS instructor, yeah. so yeah. you know, I'm pretty much you know, I was like, a commandant, bro. Yeah, commandant. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's, that's what Scott did. It was awesome, too. I was like, This guy's awesome. <laughs> did you know that I was the last CAA of the year for the entire Air Force? <laughs> you know, I think it's really cool that my all of us have done. Museum. Yep, it was, and it stayed there it's forever. Finally, yeah, well, it's, it's finally down now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think it's really cool that all of us have done a special duty. When I saw this question pop up on the um, on the submissions, I was like, oh, yeah, all, every one of us have done one. And I, I think very much like what both of you talked about, I think it's really important to stay connected, but also humble yourself and go find out what the changes were. If you've been gone four yeah. years, there probably were some changes and do that before you go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, and, and just humble yourself and do some research and, and learn about some of those things. And um, the other thing that I would say is do not assimilate like, don't go back. Go. It, it, we get this. Yeah, we get this thing, man, where it's like you go back and then you want to be part of the team. So you start like assimilating into the exact thing that you left to learn stuff about and you're supposed to bring back. Instead, you you, yeah. you, you get tempted to just kind of be one of the guys or one of the gals. And, you know, th that's not the like, reason why we like, sent you to that. You used to be a first sergeant. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So don't dump all the stuff you learn. Bring that stuff back. You're a new yeah, person that, now. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not the same person you were four mm -hmm. years ago. The career field's changed. So go back and, um, and bring all the great gifts that, you know, that you were blessed with in your special duty and bring it back to your career field to make it better. Yeah. So don't assimilate. And then if you have the opportunity, go ahead and volunteer for Korea. Cause I did and I had no choice but the ground running. <laughs> I had to figure it out like in two weeks. Cause I got hit with left and right. So <laughs> that was a blessing in disguise. All right, Jose, how about you? So, um, a hundred percent support everything that they just say. Cause that, that was exactly what I was thinking. Um, you know, uh, as a maintainer, that then became a first sergeant, right? Before that ever happened, I went from C-130s to a transient alert where there were a bunch of different fighters mm -hmm. and tankers, and then went to C-5s and then became a first sergeant. And then I came back to maintenance as a C-17 guy. And now I'm deployed with F-16s. And um, I remember when I first went to the C-5, I was kind of frustrated because, you know, what I did remember and what I knew was not what I was going into, but I did exactly what Z talked about. I found a very credible um, NCO, Nehemiah Stevenson. Nemo, if you're listening, man, uh, love you, bro. And I I was basically following him around and I knew all, everything I needed to do to lead as an NCO, right? And I knew that I could lead teams, but when it came to the technical aspect, I really needed to lean on somebody that I could trust um, to make things happen, right? And I think as you progress, kind of like one of the first questions that we talked about right like you know that you can do it better but you really don't know if you can do it better especially when you get into a position like that you have to be detached from some things and i think it's helped me out now going into other airframes because you can apply things that are similar but maybe it's not that specific but you have the overall uh, overarching lessons that you can uh, bring and you bring those SMEs in and you empower them so that they can make the right decisions um, but then as Joe's talking about, you have to be able to bring what you've learned to where you're at, because there are people in that career field that may never get that opportunity and they could miss out on the lessons that you've learned if you don't bring it back to them. Um, so definitely don't assimilate, um, but you still have to remain, you know, remain credible and relevant and that stuff. 
in that community, but you have to be able to bring the lessons that you learned from being somewhere, somewhere else. And so for me, um, as a maintainer, having had the opportunity to work in an MSG, having had the opportunity to work in a med group has paid off huge dividends because when you come back and you're trying to help a maintainer through a medical issue, you know how to talk like a medic and you can bring them the right uh, resources and stuff to help them out in their situation. Um, so uh, the other thing I would say is when you get back, um, when you see someone who has the right drive, the right tenacity to maybe fill that same type of uh, special duty, don't hold them back. Um, I think sometimes you find those people and you're like, I want to keep you in this forever, but you also stagnate their growth because you don't give them that same chance to, to learn the same thing that you did. So I would say push them out of their career field where you can push them out of their comfort zone and challenge some of those uh, stigmas or those uh, those dogmas that some of those career fields have to, to make them better. Very cool. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. You don't have to be the SME either. You know, I think uh, d- depending on what role you go back to, you know, I came back as a senior NCO. I think all the rest of you guys did too. You know, I think take comfort in that you don't have to be the subject matter expert. In fact, you're the, you're likely going to be a leader of teams. And so you bring in the SMEs, you collect the data, and then you make the decision based off of, of, of your SME inputs. So, all right. Good stuff. All right. So we'll jump on to another question. What advice do you have for the individuals, excuse me, the individuals who are put in leadership positions, but struggle to influence and inspire their organizations? Frank. Mm-hmm. That's a hard question. Like the, Joe. The, <laughs> why, why are they struggling? That's a, I mean, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot of. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. But yeah. What is it internal, or is it is it uh, they're just not people aren't responding to their decisions? Like I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the ch- this challenge too is is this person asking on behalf of someone else or are they asking for themselves because that 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 could be a different way you 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 look at it um so what advice do you have for the individuals who are put in leadership positions but struggle to influence and inspire their organizations okay here, here's my here's my attempt right. at that here's my attempt at that you can only do what you can do Work. right you can mm-hmm. only influence the folks that want to be influenced right and and you can't, as a leader, as you grow into this person of, of leadership, right? You, you can't lose yourself in that, right? We talked about doing the small steps. Just make small wins every day, right? Try and make a connection with someone every day. Try and um, listen to folks, be open-minded, and and tr- put your best foot forward every day. I know that's super cliche, but that's honestly, there's not there's no magic potion to say what makes what makes you guys such great leaders and and how do you get to aspire to be, you know, the chief master of the air force? I can guarantee you that person in that position, no matter who that chief is, is going to say, you just make these small wins every day. Don't lose yourself, stay genuine to who you are and people respect that. And when, when you get that respect, then comes the influence that you'll have. um, and, And people will seek out your mentorship. Yeah, I uh, I like that. I like um, it's, it's important to understand too that word leadership can get thrown around a lot and and really be abused because honestly there are no real 
if you think about it, there are no leadership positions. There are duty titles, right? There are there there are what you have on the the nameplate out, you know, outside your office. Um, there's positions, but leadership in itself has nothing to do with a title. And so um, I think that's the first thing we need to look at is, you know, what is a leadership position? Well, anybody can put themselves in a leadership position. It's, it's, it's really about leading people. Uh, so whether you have the title or not, it's, it's about leading people. Now, if you're that person that's in a position of authority and you are struggling to influence and inspire their organization, I think one of the things you need to do is start small, right? Because maybe, you, maybe you're in this organization, you got 500 people and your mindset is like, how do I inspire all 500 people? I apologize, but you're not going to inspire all 500 people. Mm-hmm. Some people get it. Some people won't. Um, and I think what the, the best thing you can do uh, starting off is just focus on that inner circle, those folks that are closest to you and find out what you can do to inspire and motivate them and then mm-hmm. encourage them to, you know, carry that one down forward. Yeah. And, and not everybody's going to be able to give the raw, raw speech, right? Not right, everyone's right. going to be this great order where you're like, oh man, he did a great speech. Like it, that doesn't have to be you, but what is it that you are good at? And then yeah. use that, mm-hmm. use that skill to influence people and inspire them. There's a, there's a book. And I think Joe read it as well called the way of the shepherd mm-hmm. uh, yep. by uh, uh, Lehman and Pentec. Yep. And um, that book it really changed the way I looked at leadership because in the past I would look at leadership like what, what Frank just said, you know, it's, you gotta be this, you know, all powerful, you know, very, um, in a local, local, see, I can't even say the word very well-spoken. Uh, <laughs> that's what you get for trying to use that word. <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> uh, and you gotta be that person that's, you know, motivating, inspiring people. And that book, um, the way of the shepherd gives some really small practical, steps on how to just take care of the the closest person to you uh you know checking on their well-being checking on their um you know are do they are they do they have the tools that they need to be successful and you start small like that and once people catch on to that that's how that larger following takes place joe what do you got so hopefully we're answering the question the way it's intended but yeah when, when i look at this question um i think it's very unlikely that everybody in your organization just has it out for you. And that's why you can't influence anybody, right? I mean, if, if we're talking about generally an entire organization, right? I mean, it's like that person that's like, I don't know, everywhere I go, everybody doesn't like me. They're not fair to me or whatever, you know? It's like, well, maybe if it's like everywhere you go, yeah. you might need to do a self audit. A common <laughs> I, denominator. Right, right. And I think it's, it's really important to kind of assess the situation and ask yourself those deep questions. Like, why am I having trouble influencing people, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even asking some trusted confidants, to give it to you raw, like asking, like, do do I come off a certain way? You know, mm. what is it? Is it just my lack of confidence in this situation or do I lack confidence? Whatever it might be, right? There's, there's a lot of different things that it could be. So you got to evaluate the environment that you're in and then also look at it as it's a possibility that you're in a learning environment right now because you're, you're trying to figure things out and don't try to be the, the um, exalted leader, right? I mean, like, like, yeah. like figure out what's going on, develop some of those soft skills, develop some of those technical competencies, because it could be any of those things that's making it very difficult for people 
to probably trust you because if you can't influence people, yeah. you probably don't have the credibility in the trust. You know, Covey talks about that one too in um, The Speed of Trust. There's multiple components to trust. It's not just being a good guy and having good character. Um, <clears throat> it takes character and competence in whatever you're doing. So if you have yeah. trouble influencing your organizational area of expertise, maybe people don't see you as competent yet. Maybe you have yeah. to prove yourself, right? Or maybe you come off a certain way. You don't know how to communicate very well. You know, there, there's a lot of different things that could be. Yeah. One of the words when, when you started speaking, Joe, that came to mind was authenticity, right? Because if all of a sudden you're trying to find the next way to the, the, the hacks on how to lead and, and, and inspire people, it's not going to come off authentic and right. you're probably going to push them further away. So if all of a sudden you're, you know, uh, you read a book and the next week you're speaking a different language altogether and you're <laughs> like you trying to say colloquial or whatever you just <laughs> said. <started saying. laughs> uh, Eloquent. Uh, Jesus, Google it. You I Google thought you it. were going to say eloquent. Yeah. Yeah. Temperance. Temperance. No, that's that was the last one. That was last. That was last episode of questions. We're gonna Jose, what, what do you got for this? this? <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Jose? I don't think I have anything to add. I think they. I think they nailed it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here's another good one. Then we'll move on. How has your increased role as a leader changed the way you do and view things in your life overall? Jose, take that one. And I'll read it again. If How has it changed the way I, I do things? Um, so one of the earlier questions that we had um, was about when you know how to do, do things uh, better, right? And I think if depending on how high you progress uh, as a leader and, and rank and stuff like that, I think if you don't nail that down uh, when you make that first trend transition from being an, an airman to an NCO and then from an NCO to a senior NCO, it will, it will come back to haunt you real quick, fast and in a hurry as you progress. Because if you always rely on yourself, um, you'll find that you will not have enough time to do anything. And you'll find yourself in old habits doing things um, not beneath you as in you are too good to do it, but you will take away those opportunities from a grade that it's probably more suited for. And so I think that as I've progressed as a leader, it's really figuring out that you can only do the things that you can do. And we, we've said this a couple of times uh, as we've talked this time. And I think that isn't, a way to say, hey, I'm going to be a lazy, fair leader. It is, it is just identifying that, you know, your time, you have to build time in your schedule to try and think strategically for long-term goals. And a lot of times it's not the the day-to-day the, the -day tactical stuff, right? There are folks in your organization that that is their primary duty to execute those things. And as a, as a leader, you have to be able to look broader and figure out how do we get to the strategic goals and then be able to set the vision for your organization and empower those uh, trusted stakeholders to get there. And so I think it's affected my personal life because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise two fine uh, young Americans, you know, my, my son and my daughter, and it's the same thing, right? Like, um, whether it's cutting the grass or, you know, doing chores around the house, it's not that I can't do them, but I also want to, to teach them like, Hey, this is what you need to do to be successful in the small things. So you can apply this to your life later on. 
and you can't just do things for them. You can't be that helicopter parent. Um, hopefully I answered that question right away. Yeah, those guys, I, I like that, uh, that idea, that concept of uh, considering, you know, raising your kids at the same time. Not to say that the people that are under your a scope of influence aren't your children, but I think there are a lot of uh, parallels to, to raising a family and leading an organization. I, I know for me, uh, it's over the, over the years, um, the way I, you know, do and view things in life overall, um, I've, I, I try to apply more grace to situations than I have in the past. Mm. Uh, you know, when I, when I first, that's good. When you, when you, you know, when you graduate ALS, you know, you're like, I'm going to be the best staff sergeant in the air force. <laughs> and, you know, my people are going to be in, 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 you know, after a while, when you move up the ranks a little bit, and even in, you know, when you move on from the military and if you move up in an organization, you are, um, I guess, becoming in contact with more and more people with various backgrounds and situations. And you see a lot more of the good things that are going on in the world, but you also see a lot of the things that probably aren't going on so well in the world. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've tried to do is apply more grace to situations. You know, if someone's uh, having trouble, someone's making mistakes in the past, you know, like I said, when I was that brand new staff sergeant, I was ready to start writing people up. Let's start doing this, you know, start hemming them up. But as I've gotten older, more mature and sort of uh, moved up in, in different leadership roles, I've learned that that grace goes a lot farther than the, uh, the, the, the staff goes a lot farther than the rod, so to speak. Yeah. How about you, Frank? So, so the, the question, the question is how the higher you go up, how, how have you changed or is it your, so I'll, I'll read it again. Yeah. How has your increased role as a leader changed the way you do and view things in All life? Right. Yeah. So, um, I was having this conversation with somebody else and we we're, we we're, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is never forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So when I think about that, that is very, very hard to do because sometimes it is hard to remember where you came from. And the other, the other challenge to remembering where you came from is that you don't think like you thought Mm -hmm. when you, when you were earlier on in that, in that phase of your career or early on in that, you know, early parts of, you know, the air force or whatever career you're in. So I'm looking through a much wider lens today. So my perspective is completely different than the 25 year old airman in the air force. So when I remember, don't, you know, don't forget where you came from. I can do that piece, but I can't think like that 25 year airman, 25 year old airman anymore, just because that 25 year old airman's perspective was just, what a 25 year old airman should think about what are they doing on the weekend? You know, uh, what, how, how am I getting to work tomorrow? Right. So that they didn't have any responsibilities other than themselves. So that is a completely different perspective than where I'm at today, where we talked about raising a family, you talked about running an organization. Um, so the decisions that I make, um, are, are all about serving others where, uh, that 25 year old airman just didn't have to do that. Right. So it's not, it's not that person's fault. It's just, they're in a different point. And so that drives your influence that drives your behavior, uh, and your perspective ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Joe, what do you got for me? I think I've been able to discern better, 
I'm not perfect at it, but I've been able to discern between what's really a big deal and what's not necessarily a big deal with with experience and seeing a lot of different things. Like there's many times where I'll say, oh, I've seen this show before, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, and that's from multiple PCSs, deployment, just experiencing different jobs, like even doing a special duty. And then you go back to places sometimes and where somebody hasn't moved around very much and you, you notice that they kind of, um, they kind of wig out a little bit more about stuff. That's not as big a deal, you know? And you're like, no, I've, this has happened before. This isn't, yeah. you know, I've experienced this. Everybody calm down. We'll be all right. You know, calm down always works, right? You just say calm down. Everybody starts to calm down, right? right? But, but that, you know. That's, make sure that's when you get scream it very loud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's when you get to, apl- to that's, that's when you get to apply laissez-faire leadership. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And I remember- uh, what Cole Pasley wrote that article way back for us. And it was some people need to get shot at. Right. And, uh, and one of his points on that was, you know, that until he got shot at the training, you know, and everything that comes along, he didn't realize how valuable it was necessarily. But there's another part of it too, that he talks about is that also, you know, once you get shot at, or you've been through some real tough circumstances, a lot of other stuff doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, right? You don't yeah. you don't find yeah. yourself Facts. losing it Facts. in a traffic jam or something, right? Or you're gonna be late to an appointment. It's like, all right, man, there's no point in trying to like get there so fast that now you're you're reckless, you know? I mean, like you realize mm-hmm. that there are certain things that you could just kind of it's not that big of a deal, you know? It, it will be fine. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, um, through my time and experiences that come up moving up in leadership roles is just being able to identify things and i'm not saying i don't lose it every now and then or put a little bit too much weight on something that's not that big of a deal but you know only only when it applies to llama leadership right that's (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah that's for me it's like i'm pretty i'm a lot more chill now about stuff yeah it's that maturity piece yeah what i heard was uh, joe's getting old and he has to conserve energy right (laughs) i can't freaking spaz out on every little thing that happens at work (laughs) that's true too and and and, yeah throws back out and speaking of getting old uh i my memory jose did you answer this question already Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It it felt so long ago. (laughs) Speaking of getting old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. We're going to let's let's knock out three more. I mean, we got a lot. These are all real good questions. But uh, I think there's a we got time for a a couple more. Is life about balancing multiple things or prioritizing your focus? And this person saying, I used to believe balance could be achieved. But as I get older, I tend to lean towards focusing my energy into the task in front of me. Maybe it depends on the person. What does the llama crew think? Um, Joe and I have talked about this before, as far as when you get up, you know, more up in rank or more up in position, you know, in your organization, um, it becomes less about tasks and becomes lower more about ideas and, and communication. And I, I've had instances where, I felt like I wasn't getting anything accomplished because I didn't have tasks in front of me to do. But at mm-hmm. the end of the week, I had superiors going, man, you did such a great job this week. And all I did was have conversations with people and get the ball rolling. So I, I think for me, um, it's not really about the task. It's about at the end of the week, uh, what overall objectives got accomplished. I may not be the person completing those um, objectives or the individual task associated with them, but at the end of the day, it's making sure that that whole 
job is being done. Um, and the person talks about balancing multiple things. Balancing is a tough word. Um, you know, at the Llama Lounge, Llama Leadership, we're about uh, the harmony of life and learning and leadership. Mm-hmm. And balance is tough because I spend more time with my coworkers, my waking hours, than I do with my own family. So obviously, if I'm trying to get a 50-50 balance, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what's the mm-hmm. harmony there, right? Um, that means if I'm spending more time at work, waking hours, that means the stuff that I do at home needs to be more value added mm-hmm. and not just, you know, passing out and lounging in front of a TV or something. I don't know. What do you guys think about this question? So when I when I think about it, I think about uh, one of my mentors said, you know, you're going to have seasons, yeah, right? And so you're going to have a season where you're just inundated with work stuff, right? But if that's that's the case, then you realize that you're going to have to have some downtime for your family or, you know, some R&R, whatever that means for you individually. So you got to have that season just to wind down a little bit and then you'll, you'll transition to the next season, whatever that is. So I think, you know, that's the way I approach it. If, if I'm super inundated at work, I realize that's just a season that I'm in and eventually I'll transition out of that and, and go to the next piece. Yeah. And the danger is like getting stuck in that season. Right. And it is. <laughs> yeah. So you just gotta, I mean, typically you have some accountability partners built in when you have a family or close friends, like, you know, we have with us. Um, I think that that's, that's definitely a good point because balance, I don't think is a bad word, but like you said, it's tough. It is really yeah. tough. And I think you have to realize that when you're saying balance, you are shifting from one, mm-hmm. one to other. You're not just like putting one over here and then putting another one over here to try to make it balance. You're actually like shifting back and forth. And when you do that, you're putting quite a bit of a challenge on yourself. So identifying what those priorities are, mm-hmm. uh, the most important ones. And like you said, Scott, maybe um, delegating or empowering others to take care of some of those. That way you can maximize your discretionary time and put put it to where you should be. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that person mentions in this question is I tend to lean towards focusing my energy into the task in front of me. And I think, I think that's okay too. I mean, it just depends Mm -hmm. on everything you got going on. Um, Sometimes we try to think too far down the road and as a leader, it's important for you to think down the road, but sometimes you just need to focus on what's in front of you or else, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of split your focus and you can't get what you need to get done because you're too busy worrying about too many things at once. Now for a time management concept, yeah, focus on what's in front of you, but yeah. you know, always prioritize everything. So a great yeah. book for that is uh, Five Gears. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> it talks yeah, a lot about gears. that. We'll Was put that, that in the show that did the rocks thing with the- Yeah, you know, the big, yeah. yeah. That's what I think of too. I mean, honestly, you're gonna have so many different things and so many priorities pulling you. Just, but just, if you do your big rocks, all the other stuff, it just kind of, doesn't matter or it falls into place you know like that's kind of how i approach it honestly yeah no you you nailed it man with it's to me i i mean i think balance is is bs i don't i don't think i don't think that's a thing i don't think it can happen um um, yeah it's 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 about harmony um you you have to be present for whatever it is that's in front of you um you know, you think about when you go on leave, right? If I'm on leave, I don't want to be balancing work, right? I, I want to be 100% on leave and present with my family and accounted for to them. And if I'm at work, then my airmen and my my leadership and my peers, they 
deserve 100% of my time, focus and energy. Right. So um, I, I don't think it's a, a balanced thing. I think, you know, you have priorities that will shift based on whatever is in front of you. So I think that it's important that you take time to figure out what those big rocks are, like Z was talking about, um, so that you know that you're hitting those big parts and that that way uh, your tank is full. Um, you know, there, there's times where you can kind of get caught up in some of the the day-to-day stuff that'll happen at work. And, and I know for me, I'll feel drained, you know? And then they're like, hey, there's this professional development thing. You want to come talk to them about something? Sure. You get there and you feel completely energized, right? Because yeah. your priority of developing, right? At least for me, um, was, was fulfilled or the priority of spending time with the kids, right? Um, has been fulfilled. And so now all the other things, it makes it a little bit easier because you've, you've deliberately chosen where you want to spend your time um, to find your harmony. But yeah, I don't believe in balance. It doesn't work. Yeah, you know, what's <laughs> yeah. funny. Not for, um, not for me anyway. You know, I, <laughs> I was uh, talking to my good friend, Jason Tricky. And if this is not true, then you guys can shoot him an email. But uh, Chief Jason Tricky. <laughs> but but uh, he told me that like, the whole idea of priority versus priorities, the word priorities as a, as a, a plural is, is mm-hmm. a relatively new thing. That was always a singular hmm. word. Like for like, that's not something that's always been the case that there was made up. It was a yeah. plural word, right? Like we, we did that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We started creating priorities versus just a priority. Mm-hmm. I'm going to email. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <She's my message. laughs> I don't believe you, Jason. I don't believe you. No. <laughs> You know what's you know it's funny though when we talk about priorities and and there's days at work where I don't get on the computer at all and that's not by design mm-hmm. I th- I didn't plan for that to happen mm-hmm. but it happens mm-hmm. either because I need to be somewhere else whether that's in a work center um, making connections with airmen helping someone through a process mm-hmm. or uh, you know just attending to people mm-hmm. right doing people mm-hmm. things. Um, and then I come back to my desk and it's already five o'clock and I'm like, man, I did no administration today. And then some people can confuse that with, well, you didn't do anything. Well, I, I will come back and say, you probably did more than you think. And, and that yep. you did stuff that counts. Yep. Whereas yep. answering taskers and pushing them out, man, that stuff is the minutia. That stuff is what doesn't matter. Answering the hundred different awards that we have. It's a, uh, little ridiculous don't get me started on that but uh it's it's, it's developing people that stuff that's another, matters more that's than another anything. episode a whole nother episode yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes you get more out of that i i remember when uh so working at the hospital travis and then like the power would go out in the hospital or all the computers were down right and you're kind of like at first like great i can't get all this work done what do i do next and not not and so you get up and you go out on the floor and you talk to people and you hang out with people and you find out what they're working on. You find out what's happening at home. And, and honestly, I feel like, like Frank said, you get a lot more done uh, mm-hmm. just through those conversations than I did anything I could have done on an email or on a computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll close it out with one final question. I thought this was a pretty good one. Um, and say it's when you are done serving, what do you aspire your legacy to be? Jose. Mm. I'll say that he cared deeply about, about me. Right. And you apply that to whoever that is, you know, um, yeah. just 
just that this person cared cared enough about me to spend time with me to work on something with me to do whatever it is that they they cared about me enough to to get to know me and to uh lead me as i needed to be led not you know as a cookie cutter kind of thing yeah that's what i that's that's what i hope to good it's good frank um my my favorite role that i see that i play in is being a coach and that's the legacy that i want to be you know i want to be let like coach Zamorano. that's that's a bigger compliment to me than than anything else and that's just because i grew up in playing sports yeah. right i grew up mm-hmm. where the coach would grab you by the face mask and tear you a new one because he knows or she knew that you weren't mm-hmm. doing your you weren't doing your 100% and they saw that and that was their opportunity to say look dude you're sucking right now and you got to do better yep. right and so I've always been able to, I've always wanted to be able to pass that gift on to others. Um, probably not tell them that they suck, but uh, sometimes some people <laughs> need to hear that. Right. But, and, and, mm-hmm. and, some, and sometimes people respond to that better than, right. Not everybody responds to that. I get that. So, you know, I change my, my approach with everybody, but I want to be uh, my legacy to be as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Yeah, mine's similar to Frank's, and I say it a lot. Is to, uh, I want to leave a bunch of world championship winning coaching trees, right? And I want to leave a legacy of folks that I was able to help become head coaches of their own teams that yeah. can win in diverse ways too. I want them to be diverse, and, and hopefully, I just helped them along the way, and and that they think differently, bring diverse perspectives and, and whatever they might be doing too, not just in the Air Force um, to succeed in leading in whatever respect. They might be leading their families, right? And uh, I think that's really important. For me, I just, I don't want to teach people how to do, I don't want these coaches to all go do it the exact same way I did it, right? Because we're all different. Because great mm-hmm. leaders, you know, they don't teach people how to do, they teach people how to think and not think like me, mm-hmm. but think, develop a framework to to think through problems and navigate through mm-hmm. situations and lead effectively. So that, that's what I want my legacy to be left behind. Yeah, I think, uh, and uh, to wrap it up, mine is pretty much like what everyone else said. Uh, just to, in, anybody that I've kind of come in contact, whether it was professionally, whether it was personally, whether I worked with them directly or not, that they... Uh, uh, they're a little bit better, you know, I, I left them better than when I found them, so to speak. You know, did they learn something that's going to be useful to them? Um, some people are taking it on to, they're getting promoted, they're taking on a lot more responsibility. And some folks, it could be just something as simple as, hey, I finally finished this class, or, uh, you know, I, I finally figured this part of my life out. Um, and so that's, uh, for me, it's, it's that legacy is that, you know, anybody I come in contact with is that, that, that situation or that scenario that we're in, we're sharing, uh, that they leave it better for it. So, all right. Well, this has been fun, guys. This has been yeah. interesting. Jose needs to go to sleep. Jose needs <laughs> to go to sleep. We're on two hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we got, buddy. We got UFC coming on here. Yep. Yeah. Christina so, uh, Aguilera is fighting right now. Christina Aguilera. Christ, Christian Aguilera. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you're on the wrong channel. Who's fighting? Britney Spears? All right. Hey, hey, guys, this has been fun. To our listeners uh, and, and the folks that submitted questions, thank you so much for your questions. We do really appreciate the support, and we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, we did have a lot of submissions, uh, just like last time. We couldn't get to every single one of them. Uh, but uh, it's some really good stuff came our way. I think we got some good discussion going on. Hopefully, we're able to answer uh, these questions and give some some good practical and 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 tangible wisdom to to be utilized. And uh, again, we thank you for your time. So, with that said, llamas are out. See llamas you. Out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.